sailing a pirate boat 2,500 miles from San Diego to Nicaragua, starting a business in another country, followed by one of the most scary injuries known to man, a broken spinal cord. Welcome to episode 10 with the founders of Two Guys Adventures, Joey and Kelsey Coleman. You are listening to Len Jones' Party of Two where experts and influencers speak honestly and openly about their keys to success. Sponsored by TrueFace.ai, where your face is the key. For more information on TrueFace, please contact your host at ian at TrueFace.ai. Now, pay close attention, because you're going to learn today. What up, party people? How are you doing? Welcome back to the podcast. I am so grateful to have you guys here. Just want to take a second and have everyone just feel a little gratitude about the things you have in your life, the people in your life, because we always got to remember, it could always be worse. Now, let's start with a little backstory. A few years ago, I ended up on a trip of a lifetime through one of my side hustles that took me to San Juan del Sur in Nicaragua. There, my good friend Tim owns a massive portion of a hidden bay on the coastline where he developed an absolute stunning home that features two infinity pools, because obviously only one is for, you know, peasants, (laughs) that won multiple awards for its architecture and is everything you could think of in a dream home. I remember I was playing ping pong with Tim on this epic epic table tennis court and you know I'm super competitive and when I went to go pick up the balls Tim stops me and asks what are you doing I go what do you mean I'm picking up the balls he's like we have someone to take care of that I looked at him like for real damn I could totally get used to that to add to the experience Tim totally hooked it up and had a whole itinerary of excursions planned for us most notably including zip lining in the jungle visiting an active volcano and spending the day on some sort of pirate ship Fast forward to the pirate day, we woke up early and met at this cool little hut in the village where we walked as a group over to a small dinghy and boarded the pirate ship, a 50-foot, absolutely beautiful sailboat that over a year ago made the epic trek all the way from San Diego to Nicaragua. The captains, Joey and Kelsey Coleman. I don't even know how to begin to explain how amazing these two people are. Like, they are just absolute role models for the dream many of us thought about having at one point in our lives. The dream of just saying, F it, quitting the 9 to 5, escaping monotony, sailing across the world with your dream person, and living in paradise in a true Hakuna Matata existence. We're talking no worries, baby, no worries. Now, with every fairy tale come some serious challenges. And the series of events these two have gone through in the past few years will just absolutely blow your mind. First off, Joey had never even owned a boat nor was much of a sailor before he went full savage and decided to purchase an old 50-foot sailboat that had been sitting in a harbor for 15-plus years rotting away. On the flip side, Kelsey had never even been on a sailboat before. These two went on to take up residence for six months as they renovated and completely redid from head to toe every aspect of the boat with a deadline to try to get out to Nicaragua before hurricane season. Once that window opened, they went full send and sailed 2,500 miles to Nicaragua, where they faced hurricane force winds, got stranded in Acapulco, and got boarded by the Mexican military. Now, if that already doesn't interest you enough to keep listening, this next experience might. And it also goes hand in hand with the famous Rocky quote of, Let me tell you something you already know. It's about how you can get hit and keep moving forward. Well, Joey's hit came while training for his paragliding pilot's license, which after a successful 90-minute flight, sent him basically into a 50-foot freefall, resulting in Joey breaking his spinal cord and changing his life forever. 
To conclude, I can't stress how thankful I am for the day I got connected with these two. They are simply shining examples of people who architect their lives by pursuing their passions both in themselves and each other. This is legit a true love story, and you're about to hear about the epic fairy tale of the Colemans. Now, if you know someone out there that this story will resonate with them, you owe it to them to share this story. Who knows? Might change their entire course of life. So, without further ado, let's jump into it. The last time I saw you two, lovely people, I was on your boat called the pirate ship and uh, turned doesn't do it justice. I was having an ab- <laughs> having an absolute blast. A ceviche on deck. There was just the, some of the best vibes ever. I remember we were going on the way back towards uh, San Juan del Sur and that pot of dolphins came. Yep, yep, yep. And it was one of the most surreal moments of my life. So, guys, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. No worries. I don't have dolphins this time, but, you know, it'll still be a good good experience. Well, I mean, you guys <laughs> definitely are huge inspirations. I mean, your social media game is very strong. You're always shooting out positivity. You've just been, like, consistent, like, just great people. Uh, everywhere you look, it's just like you, you bring smiles. So, I really wanted to dive deep into kind of your background in, in entrepreneurship, the story of the pirate ship uh, and all of that. So before we get into the pirate ship, did you ever have like a like when you were younger, say in like high school, like a first hustle or business that you started, whether it was like selling candy or whatever it was? Oh, <laughs> uh, I don't know if I did. Looking back, I uh, I always knew I wanted to do my own thing. And uh I think that came from my, like my parents. I don't know. My dad, my dad always pushed us to kind of do our own thing. I think, I think naturally I'm a bit of a, uh, I don't, I don't like to follow authority too much. I like to have my own thing going. So I think that was always in me, but, um, first hustle. I don't know if I have a good story. Just always been hustling, trying my best. (laughs) Gals, anything? Um, any hustle? Hustle. I mean, elementary school, there was this little, (laughs) yeah, going back, going way back. There was this little store that you could do on recess and sell candy, and nobody ever wanted to do it. They're like, we want to play on the swings. And I was like, I'll do it. I'll sell this candy. Of course you did. You got to eat, like, every candy you sold, you got to eat one. And so I was all about that. Nice. She's she's probably the better hustler than I am, man. (laughs) (laughs) Interesting. I mean, remember, you guys had the the business is always just booming. I mean, it was the talk of the town in San Juan del Sur. So tell me about like where the where'd you guys go to school or did you go to school? Yeah, I went to uh, I went to school in Colorado, Colorado Mason University for two years. And then I transferred to Boise State, which is where I met Kels. Nice. Do you think you guys got a lot out of college? like in terms of an education or do you think like what would be your opinion on that uh i'm funny there i don't know i got a lot out of college i loved college <laughs> right. i uh i met a lot of close friends in college um i was a writing degree of all things man so i don't think it helped me in business by any means but um i think it helped fuel i think college is important in the f- fact that like it helped fuel some more passions for for writing and literature that was already in me that i never would have pursued maybe if I hadn't have been there. But um, as far as helping me as soon as I left or making money, no. <laughs> I think for me, it helped in in a way just being a part of this community where everyone was going after different things. And for me, I'm coming from like a sheltered life. So I'm like, oh, wait, I could do that or I could do this. And all these people from all over the world are in this spot and they're all unique and they're all striving for something different. And so for me, it helped kind of 
broaden my my world up a bit. Where did the pirate ship even come from? How did you find it? Where did the ambition come? What triggered that series of events? Yeah. Well, um, so Kelsey and I, Kelsey and I went to Nicaragua on our honeymoon. I don't know if I, I don't know if you knew that. We went to Nicaragua the first time on our honeymoon, based on uh, a family member being like, "You've got to go down there. You're gonna love it." And we went and like we proper fell in love and like you know we, well, uh, like, didn't know anything about Nicaragua. Nothing, no. Like I couldn't even probably put on a map, which is embarrassing to say, but <laughs> I, I I knew nothing. And then we got to uh, Managua and rented a car and then just drove all over the place. No like, phones. We had an old an map, old map, yeah. And we got lost the whole time. No Spanish, like no Spanish when we were there. But yeah, I don't know. We fell in love with that country and we fell in love with the people. And like everybody, we're like, oh, we'd love to get back here and uh, make this home. But like, you know, there's not like a realistic way to do it yet. Right. So um, I don't know. We left, I think, with that really imprinting us and being like, we've traveled, we traveled a lot already, but um, that place kind of called to us. Like, we want to make that home. We want to make a life there. And, uh, and then, yeah, the boat came later down the road, um, through a family member who was involved with the boat in San Diego. He was talking about it and I was like, I want to go see this boat. Have you always been a sailor? I came to sailing late in life, like, uh, post-college got into sailing and then got like captained up and, uh, went and did ASA courses and got really into sailing in San Diego. But I was like, let's go look at this boat. And I got there and it was like this beautiful beautiful boat but had been sitting in a slip for like 15 years uh essentially like untouched just like getting the bottom clean that's about it so it needed a ton of work like it was nowhere near traveling the ocean um so yeah so i i proposed i started putting i basically was building pitch decks for my wife as well just (laughs) just to see if she'd go for it uh because she was working in the tv news industry she was a reporter and anchor for nbc and uh, I didn't think she'd leave that for this crazy idea. And, and we were in Oregon at the time. Yeah, we were and in he Oregon. Just, he just left and went to San Diego. I was like, I'm not, I'm just going to go for the weekend. And I was like, what are you doing? That's weird. <laughs> <laughs> Normally you take me with you. But he was had all these plans that he was kind of mapping up. And, and then I went for it. It wasn't that hard to convince me. Yeah, when I finally was like, okay, here's how we can pull together. You know, I, I, I'm good at reaching out and finding people that are interested in a crazy project like this and putting together funding what did it cost to buy a boat that's been sitting there for 15 years because uh, because i had family involved in the boat already it was more the renovation and the renovation was extensive like you're looking at like above well above the 50 grand in renovations mark on that boat because it was a 50 foot boat i mean people don't understand when they hear that number it's 31 tons it's three bed two bath like it's a moving cabin, you know, the, the thing is huge. It's, it's enormous. So it was a lot of renovations and a lot of time. So like we spent six months living on it in downtown San Diego, which is also like magical memories of living downtown on the boat. Like it was always dirty and rough, but she loved it and like just grinded through it all. And like, I, I, we have such good memories. And it should have taken longer than six months to renovate it. Like it was. Yeah, like we cranked. I just, we lived on board and we, we did as much as we could. So we had no more money and then, and then made the push. And hurricane season was coming. So we had like this time period where we had to go, like now or never, you know, it's kind of like, okay, we either leave now or we have to wait till hurricane season's over, which is like, what, four plus months. Yeah. And we were just amped to get back to Nicaragua. But like your podcast's all about entrepreneurs and everyone's like, how do you, how do you do this? And I think people over, think sometimes and try to get everything so set and ready and perfect 
for any project that they end up never getting there. Cause like I'm to a fault, I'm I'll, I'll jump into it and learn on the fly. I'll, I'll learn as I go. He, he rebuilt this engine, you know, from like YouTube videos, like <laughs> everything he was just Googling and he'd watch a video and he'd do it. And sometimes it would work. And I, I had help too, though. <laughs> I had help too. Yeah. I think you said you had a friend that was like worked for NASA or something. Yeah. I got really lucky as uh, we call him Mr. NASA. His name's Steve, but um, he owned the yacht right behind our boat where it was docked. And he was this crazy old crass, like awesome character of a guy. And it, he's like the most interesting man. Like he, he got shot down in Vietnam in a chopper. He worked for NASA and then he got hired by oil companies. He was a pilot and a mechanic. And uh, he thought I was fucking crazy and he'd tell me, but he was like into it. And I think he was lonely. So he'd come over and he was like, I won't get my hands dirty, but I'll teach you how to do all this. And he would just spend a day there being like, okay, this is what this is. This is what that does. This is why it's broken. This is how to fix it. And he just, he taught me so much. Did you like take the boat out of the water or was it just always sitting? No, we had to pull it out of the water. We put it up in a shipyard. I did a lot of the work in water, but like we redid through holes, which is like, you got to pull them out and then there's holes in the boats. So you had to pull it up and out. So we lived on it in the shipyard for a little bit too. What was the biggest challenge out of all the renovations that gave you the most pain? Um, the, the engine for me, I was, I wasn't a mechanic, man. So that was like, there were times where I just like my head wanted to explode. Cause I'll, I'll do any labor that, that doesn't bug me. I'll grind on labor, but the mechanic work was a mission. Well, and we would do test runs too. Like we would take it out in the San Diego Harbor and we would be going, like, okay, it's working. You, like this is good. And then it would just stop working. We died so in we the middle of the San Diego Harbor. Dead floating in the San Diego with, Harbor. With like a uh, aircraft carrier ba- or destroyer coming at us once. And it was like calling the Navy's calling, yeah, like get out of the way. And I'm like, I'm dead in the water here, man. Like you got to yeah, slow right. down. Damn. Yeah, that's yeah. a that's a gnarly experience. So you've never owned a boat before that, though. Never owned a boat. Nope. Never owned a boat before that boat. <laughs> you went zero to fifty footer. That's that's it. <laughs> <laughs> zero to a hundred, basically. Yeah, it was a big. big that was the big first truck. time I ever stepped foot on a boat. Was Kelsey never sailed before sailing down to Nicaragua? Kelsey, you are yeah. an animal. <laughs> <laughs> People don't know what an animal, like it was rough that trip sailing down. So now you have this boat, you renovated it, you put like 50 grand into it. You're spending every waking moment on it. It's become an extension of you. And you have this plan to sail from, I believe, was it San Diego to San Juan del Sur, Nicaragua? Yep. <laughs> and how long is that? Like, what's the challenge going through that? What's the, the main things that you have to think about? It's like, so it's like 2,500 miles. Um, your big challenges are so like hurricanes grow in like the Caribbean and that era. And then they can blow across this little peninsula called Tehuantepec, the very southern part of Mexico. And they, they blow across Tehuantepec and then blow up from there. Once you get further south than that, uh, historically, there aren't hurricanes down there. There's like storms, but there's not hurricanes. So there's a season you got to get past that. And we were coming up on the season and we couldn't wait another like, you know, six months after that. So we were we were cranking to try to get done to head south to get south of Tehuantepec but basically you jump you jump out of San Diego and you just head south down the Pacific coast all the way down to Nicaragua you go down Baja Peninsula all of Mexico and then you shoot over like uh, El Salvador and then you're in Nicaragua well and it's crazy because going from you know we've crossed how many borders in our lifetimes we've traveled a lot but going by boat you know we just pass the U.S. Mexico border in the water and like 
you know, nothing happens. It's like up to you to stop, like pull in to the port and go get your passport yeah. stamped in Mexico. You know, it's like nobody's stopping you. Nobody's looking at you. You're just. And you kind of have to, you kind of have to figure that whole process out on your own too. Cause it's not like, it's not like flying into customs. Like no one's there to exactly tell you how to do all that. So it was like a constant epic learning experience. And you guys had a pretty nasty scare on the way there. Yeah. Yeah, we did. Uh, like the, we had horrible weather on Baja Peninsula. Kelsey, poor Kelsey threw up for like three straight days. Like not an exaggeration. Like I was starting to wonder, I was like, how long? Can someone throw up before this well, isn't because I, okay you know, anymore? I lived aboard for six months. And so I was like, oh, I don't get seasick. I'm good. I'm good. And then that first night after leaving San Diego, the sun goes down. It gets so dark. And, you know, you can't see the waves, but you're feeling the waves hit the boat. And we had basically like 20-foot waves rollers for like days, like a week. God, that, that Baja Peninsula was rough weather for us almost the whole way. So she got thrown in like no one's been thrown in. I was just laying on the side, throwing up, just wishing I would fall into the ocean and just sink to the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but the big scare, that was down uh, outside Acapulco. We, we were outside Acapulco, and we got hit by, like, this massive squall, and it was huge. It, it was, like, 70, almost 80-mile-an-hour winds, 30-foot seas. It was, like, lightning striking all around the boat. Like, I've... I've climbed big mountains and stuff in my life and done stupid stuff. And that was like by far the most scared I've ever been. Like we had ditch bags ready just in case, life raft ready just in case. What are the ditch bags? Ditch bags are like, if you're going on any expedition, you need ditch bags. Like we're going overboard and we're trying to get into a life raft. And you don't want to do that till like the boat is sinking, but it's, it's got, a big dry bag. it's got, it's big dry bag with water, food, uh, emergency equipment and stuff like that. Flare gun. It was, it was five of you, right? Yeah. It's, uh, for most of it, it was five of us. And then when that big, when we hit that big storm, uh, I'd hired two young guys uh, out of Santa Barbara sailing instructors to also be a part of my crew because it was basically me and the two of them. And my little brother had never sailed who was on board and Kelsey had never sailed. So it was like the three of us coming in with some experience. And uh, they bought tickets home out of Acapulco after that. Uh, they, they were worried it wasn't going to be, the ship wasn't going to be sound enough to make it. So they left so you guys are just like holding on to each other like for dear life like all right we've had a good run this is it love yeah, you. yeah. except one of one of the sailors he was on the on the bow of the ship just drinking rum straight like in the storm just singing like a crazy man he like lost yeah. it a little it was legendary yeah, i think he lost it for sure but the, but in acapulco we hit that moment like uh family was telling us to leave and try and like leave it there for now like it's that moment like a business gets to it's like this isn't gonna work or like do we bail and everyone was telling us to bail and I just put so much into this. I was like, I can't. So I, uh, I walked the docks in Acapulco and met a guy named Felix, who's like a mythical creature to us now. He's probably 5'2", old Aztec Indian man. And no, he, he was like 4'6". He was tiny. And he jumped on board and he helped us sail down to the border of Mexico. He couldn't go any further because he didn't have a passport. But he helped us get down to there, and he was amazing. He was, like, the sweetest man I've ever met. Damn. What a, what a legend. Yeah, he was a legend. <laughs> so the whole trip took how long? 32 days. But everybody hears about the rough moments. We also had beautiful moments, too, man. Beautiful. Was there a pinch me moment? Yeah, we have the same. One night, my little brother was doing a night watch, and he came, and he's like, get up. And I was like, I, instantly I figured something was wrong or we're, <laughs> something broke. And he's like, you need to get up here. And we go up, and there's a lot of bioluminescence off Mexico. 
and we have a pod of dolphins all around the boat and they're really clever. They, they know what bio is and they know how to stir it up and they're fanning their tails all around the boat. And it looks like we're cutting through the galaxy. It just looks like stars coming off our boat as far as we can see. And they start jumping bow high and sending water up onto the boat. They just so take their, like their flipper and just throw water up into the air onto our boat. And it was just like so there's glowing, glowing like star water all over us in the boat. It was it was like out of Life of Pi. It felt not real. It still seems unreal. That's what I thought of Life of Pi. That's the. It was it was just like that, man. Holy smokes! And then when you got to Nicaragua, did you have like a business plan for the idea of the pirate ship, or did you kind of get there? figure it out we we'd i'd been putting this together for quite some time like over a year so we had a business concept we'd we'd gone down one time since our honeymoon and met with hotel owners and business owners and really done like a scouting trip to say okay is this viable because the idea was cool but we're like is this viable so we took a trip down to nika and met with everyone so we already had some people who wanted us like to run for them and operate with them but um the business plan evolved too. When we first went, we were thinking just like almost solely overnight charters. And then we got so busy with like sunset cruises, like with what you did with us, um, like a beautiful six, five, six hours out on our boat, go to a private beach, drop anchor, great food, great company, great music. Uh, that took off so much well, and that our business a, plan evolved. And there was a learning experience too. I mean, yeah. you know, we were like, okay, we're going to do multi night surf charters where we're going to anchor outside a beach and like go to the breaks and all this stuff. But, you know, once you're there and you kind of can see what's going on and get a feel for everything. And yeah, people wanted these day charters one and two, the other, the, the market just wasn't, it just wasn't right. I mean, the weather's really harsh. There's not a lot of protected bays for overnight charters. And Um, and we, you find like a lot of people love the dream of like, yeah, let's do an overnight charter and go and explore the Nika coast. But then they get on a boat at night that's rocking and they're like, oh, what did I get myself yeah, into? It's it's a lot sleep. for a lot of people. Yeah, no, it's, it seems like it's a lot. So how old were you guys when you got to Nicaragua? I was what, 27. 20. You'd have been 25. She yeah. was 25 and I was 27. So you get there and then you just basically day in, day out, you'd take, you know, people on the boat, sail out five, six hours and just enjoy paradise. Yeah, well, the hustle, the hustle was the first six months. Like I, uh, I like people anyways, but um, I, we pushed it. Like we went around for six months and went to every hotel and every bar and every business and just tried to meet everyone and tried to let everyone know what we were like bringing to San Juan. So the first six months, um, we we'd get tours, but we were definitely not slammed. Uh, well, we were building. Take a loss too, you know. We we bring a bunch of people on board just so they could see what the experience exactly, was like. Yeah. You know, we'd say, okay, let's go out. You know, we'll we'll take this hit. We'll get all the ceviche, all the drinks. It's free for everyone. And that way, the word starts getting out, and people start talking about it. And then you know, they take pictures, and people see photos, yeah. and. That's kind of how we marketed in the beginning. Yeah, you find people who don't want to do comps early in a business like this kind of business. And it's part of the model. You have to like we took so many people out just to just to show them what we did, you know, and uh, and it, it was still like an amazing fun day. Like it was always amazing for us. So, Do you think that word of mouth advertising was the biggest seller or do you think it was like TripAdvisor? It was biggest was word of mouth. Uh, and then our like social medias and then came TripAdvisor once. Once we racked up like 40 reviews, which isn't many, but in southern Nicaragua at that point, that, that bumped us up. That Then it really started helping us, TripAdvisor. Was there a, uh, throughout all those experiences on the boats, the, the good days, was there a certain 
time that you guys really had another pinch me moment like like we out here like we're doing it oh so many like so, it's like so many there's so many like sunsets where we're just like i can't believe we've made this happen because we dreamed about it for like so long and it was one thing to be working on the boat that to be out on the open sea and my first ever big trip and her first trip on a boat it was like so many we pulled into uh puerto Vallarta, outside puerto Vallarta. And there's like a hidden secret beach that's uh, you have to swim under. It looks like an island from the outside, but you swim under a little cave and you come in and it's this giant open beach that's hidden from the outside. And we dropped anchor there at sunrise and swam in. And I was just like, I don't know how we got this life, but I'm fucking grateful for it. Remember, remember uh, the iPhone incident? Oh, yeah, that was your yeah. crew. I forgot. Yeah, I remember the iPhone incident. Can you describe that incident again? <laughs> yeah. So uh, one, of, one of Ian's crew, one of your, your guys' team, had an iPhone drop at our little private breach we take guests to. And he had it in like a life-proof case. Um, and it was super murky that day. So we tried to go in and find it and tried to find it and tried to find it and no luck. And then uh, it was like a week later, my buddy, who also runs boats, is showing me. He's like, look what I found on the beach. Or look what I found down in the water diving. And it was the phone in a life-proof case. And it was fine. It should have been like an ad for life proof. And it was totally fine. Um, so yeah, so I re reached out to your buddy. We got it back to him, right? It was insane. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was like 30 feet deep in murky water. And a diver finds it in the middle of the ocean. Like, that's crazy. I still can't believe that thing was alive. I think he still and... has it. I hope it's still, still alive. And kicking. Yeah. That was amazing. So let's let's circle back. So and, and you also had like a lot of pretty big time celebrities on your boat too. Yeah, well, Nika was you know was like this magical up and coming place, and places like Madeira's Village are so awesome at branding and creating an experience. So they got a lot of people, and we worked with them. So yeah, we got some really cool people. One of our most magical memories was like New Year's 2015. 2015? Yeah, we had like Toblo on the front of the boat dancing with Icona Pop and. They're both crazy and fun and topless and playing music. And we've got DJs playing. And again, it was one of those pinch me moments like, shit, we did it. Like, we actually did it. And it's it's working and amazing. Yeah, your playlists were always on point. Hey, thanks. <laughs> Let's talk about the, the first, I mean, one of the big tragedies that came soon. So what happened to the pirate ship? Well, uh, we were away in the States because uh, I had a major accident. So I was in the States doing some physical therapy. And like I said, Nicaragua historically doesn't get hurricanes. Uh, and when it was coming through Nicaragua, it was still classified as a tropical storm, but it just grew and grew. And hurricane hit and everything's on mooring balls out there. There's no marina. And every single boat in the bay, every single one got torn from its mooring ball. The ocean just came alive and it threw everything on the beach. And if you saw pictures of like San Juan del Sur, it looked like like a boat graveyard there was just every single yacht uh so like the pirate ship got washed onto the beach and it slammed its keel when it came in and just destroyed the keel in the bottom part of the boat and like the 60 foot yacht next to us it got split in half on the beach it came in so hard like totally split in half like like a like a match um 2017 was a hard year for us yeah 2017 <laughs> was a rough year. rough year what happens when you get that call and you and you look at your boat in a picture on this like what do you think uh and we'd been prepping because we knew the storm was coming so we doubled like chains and we anchors and victor who's been with us since the beginning yeah he's like and family he was he was there getting it all set up and locking it down 
down for us, but we got that call, what, 4, 4 a.m.? Yeah, I got the call, and it's all Spanish, and he's like, it's on the beach, and I was like, what do you mean it's on the beach? And he's like, it's on the beach, and uh, yeah, there's not a lot a lot to sum up how you feel in that moment but you're like okay you still hang on to hope for a long time because it's like you see pictures and the pictures like it looked like it slammed onto the beach but it still looked like okay it still looked really cool on the beach it did look really cool it was (laughs) it looked really cool um but unfortunately it destroyed the entire bottom part of the boat like the keel the hole everything got just crushed so at that point and especially down there you know, I'm sure there's anything. no way to repair. No. Yeah, no. there's not as many resources, you know. So there wasn't even a, they didn't even have a crane big enough to lift no. us out of the water. So. So, yeah, at some point you had to finally accept what had happened. But, yeah, we, we flew down and got there and uh, saw what we could do, looked at all the options. And finally, I mean, you know, maybe if you spent a quarter of a million dollars to get it, get it out of there and repaired maybe but at that point then what are you doing you know you get a new boat i believe you had plans to get more boats and stuff and you wanted to like expand and make it even was that we were the play we were looking for a while we were looking to start uh we had a small boat that was interested they wanted to join our brand and do like a like a sailing school part of us and we looked at a lot of options because we were doing so well um in the end i'm glad we our time in Nicaragua, we kept it as it was because it never got so big that we didn't enjoy it, you know? Like, it did well, so we had an amazing life, but we enjoyed it all the time. And we still had that freedom, you know? We yeah. we had we were busy and we were working a lot, but we also had that freedom to go and to travel and to kind of have, like, this perfect balanced life. Like, we could just close down shop for a week and we took a motorcycle trip from southern Nicaragua all the way up to the Honduras border and, like, we could just do stuff like that. The freedom was like unbeatable. And you met a lot of international travelers too. Oh, so so like, many. Yeah. You you probably had you probably have so much hookups throughout like the just the world that you could just go and crash <laughs> on a couch. <laughs> yeah, we're really lucky, man. We met some amazing people. So tell me about the um probably the most scary for sure has to be the most scary incident in your life because just reading about it on social media and reading about you guys like that like that was horrifying even just how you guys heard about it. Tell, tell us about the accident. Like what happened? Yeah. So, so like, I, like I said, I was in the States when the boat went down because uh, we were in Colombia. We went to Colombia in uh, February of 2017 and we were paragliding. So, but not just like uh, people going to paraglide with a captain. We were getting our captain's licenses. So our pilot license. So you go and you do the training and then you have to accrue a certain number of flights and then you're a licensed paragliding pilot. And, uh, 2017 was supposed to be our year of flight. That was our year of flight is what we were going to do. Dude, I, I, I went paragliding in Medellin. Yeah. It's like amazing. Huh? It's, Medellin, yeah. it's, I never knew you could fly before until that. Yeah. And like, you, you know, like you can catch thermals and you can stay up. Like my last flight was an hour and a half. I was up cause I went thermal to thermal up to the, like, up to the ceiling, the cloud level. And for people who don't know what paragliding is, you have yeah. you have your wing and you jump basically jump off a cliff yeah. and you just fly. You like run to get the wing to pop up because it's not like a parachute. Parachute you just lose altitude. This is a wing, so it can gain altitude, like you know. So So you wanted to be your own instructor. You you wanted to go solo and you had to get that license, that course. Yeah, so we did it and we, we had gone solo many times. So Kelsey was on her like twenty second flight, I was on my twentieth flight, solo flight. And uh, it had been amazing. Every single flight was perfect. And then, um, yeah, I my 20th flight, it was like my best flight except for the landing. It was up an hour and a half. And I was coming in, and I was overshooting our landing zone. 
and I was nervous because there were power lines on the other side. So I tried to double back to the beginning of it, but I was too low and uh, caught like a like an uprise and it collapsed my chute. And I basically dropped from the sky, kind of got pendulum down even faster, like the last 50 feet. And yeah, I broke my spine like very, very seriously. So I, I landed with like my legs out on my butt and, uh, all that pressure went up and it got to my L1 and it just exploded. So I, I knew when I hit, I was pretty fucked. I, I could wiggle my toes, but I couldn't, I couldn't feel anything else and I couldn't move anything else. Um, so there's like a lot of different levels of a back break and mine was my spinal cord was unstable. So I was like this close to never walking again. So I got rushed into surgery. I had to have my spinal cord like put back into place and I had to have my spine fused together. In Medellin? In, uh, we were in Bucaramanga. We were in uh, Bucaramanga, which ironically had six months earlier finished the International Hospital of Colombia, which is the best hospital in Central and South America. And it was 10 minutes away from me. And we had friends in the States that like one of them's the head of orthopedic surgery for Johns Hopkins. And she oversaw it when she got the, the x-rays. She didn't tell me, she told my brother, she's like, I wouldn't count on him walking again. And he's got a really small window to get into surgery. And they, they rushed me in and then she saw what they did. And she's like, they did it perfect. Um, let's hope it takes. And it, it took. And uh, by it taking, is that just like, like the nerves? Yeah. Yeah. So I did huge nerve damage. So I'll probably never be a hundred percent, but I'm like 85%. And, uh, I can do most everything. So, uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was awful. It was by far the worst thing I've ever been through. And she had to watch me crash. And then she, she like nursed me back to health. Like I, I couldn't walk for a long time and I, uh, I couldn't take care of myself for a long time. And there's a lot of issues that come with a spinal injury aside from like learning to walk that she had to deal with. So it was, it was a long long road and it's it's always still dealing with it but you know compared to what it could have been i'm so so lucky kelsey what was your like your recollection of that incident well so i landed and i'm you know we're all everyone in the class is waiting to go to lunch you know and this guy's just up catching thermals for like an hour and a half and like oh can't he just like come down like we're hungry it's lunchtime and so we're all waiting and yeah so we're all standing there when he comes crashing down and he did. He instantly knew that he broke it. He goes, I broke my back. I broke my back. And I just, you know, I'm, I try to be as positive as I can. I'm like, no, like, I'm sure you just, you know, I probably bruised your tailbone or something. It'll be okay. And, but he knew instantly. And, um, yeah, the whole experience was just horrifying, you know, and, and we speak, you know, Spanish because we live in Nicaragua, but Spanish is so different in Nicaragua versus Colombia. So, even being in the hospital, you know, and everything's chaotic and scary and crazy. And then, you know, they're talking to us and we're just trying to find out what's going on. And that language barrier, you know, it's like, like, what is like, how bad is it? You know, what, like, how bad is bad? And they just keep saying like, he, like, he has to go to surgery. And I'm like, well, are you sure? Like, does he have to? Like, what, how do I know if you guys know what you're doing? You know, like this, there's so many, uh, so many fears when, yeah and like we we held it together pretty well like we got to the hospital and like i was it was like excruciating beyond excruciating but we like held it together and then once the x-rays came and they took me out of the room because i kept trying to be like like keep me involved and they didn't want me to hear because they didn't want me to go into panic and they like moved me away and i heard them saying like 
he's got to go into surgery. His spine's broken. His spinal cord's unstable. And that's when it finally, we were like, yeah, it hit, it hit hard. Then the reality of the situation hits really hard. How long does that surgery take? Oof, I don't know. <laughs> was it like, I don't know. I woke up thinking I was great. I remember telling Kelsey, I was like, I was supposed to go on a big paddleboarding expedition with my friends from the northern border of Nicaragua down this river that no one had ever paddleboarded in in 25 days and I told her when I woke up I was like I feel good I think I'm gonna be able to do that because I was so drugged up so I don't know how long it took I feel like it took forever but I'm you know sitting by myself and six hours eight hours I don't really know um just like hoping it's gonna be okay so I felt like it was a lifetime oh my gosh she Kelsey where'd you find Kelsey (laughs) I know right Idaho who knew who knew they were hiding there (laughs) <laughs> oh, unreal. I got to go to Idaho. Right? <laughs> so after all that, so you somehow make it out. You break your spine. Your ship collapses. Your, everything's just going to shit. What's next? Like, where, where, where is your head at? What do you think next? What do you want to do next? What's what's going on? Yeah. Um, I, you know, I tell people, I think if anything, like breaking a spine gives you huge perspective because I went from like, I'll never walk again. I'll never like hike with my wife again, do anything like that to uh, losing the boat was awful. But after that, it doesn't seem as awful as maybe it would have seemed. It really put it in perspective. It's like, it's a boat. It's a, it's a, it's a thing, you know, I, I can live without a thing. So I think that made in a weird way, the loss a lot easier there. Um, and then I don't know where, I'm lucky I've got her and she's always game for the next adventure and I'm an eternal optimist and I'm excited for the next thing. So, uh, we put our noses down and we're like, what do we do next? And, uh, you know, we're on to the next chapter. And right now people are always asking me and it's like, you know, I'm always, I'm always hustling, looking for the next cool project and adventure. And I'm always going to be excited about it. And I think what helps us is we're never afraid of change. So, you know, even though it's like, okay, our life will never be, what it was, you know, like last week, it's still, it's still going to be okay. We have each other and we have our positivity and we can just, just appreciate the small things until we find something we're, we're passionate about and want to take, you know, tackle. What about the tree house? So like after all that, I remember you guys taking pictures of the tree house. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, that place, that place looked like right out of the jungle book. Yeah. It's uh, it was it's so amazing cool. there, man. So it's called it's Tree Casa Nicaragua and Tree Casa. We used to have the guys that uh, were the vision behind it and the creator behind it. They used to come on the boat, so that's how we got to know those guys. And uh, they reached out to us and they wanted to bring us on as a part of the team um, when the boat went down because we decided we wanted to stay in Nicaragua and I had my project going. And uh, that place is magic. It's like. It's like you're in Pandora, like Avatar, like at night, everything's lit and there's these like elevated pathways between tree houses and like a like pool on one level with a waterfall dropping in the next pool. And it's it's insane there. It's a you, you've got to get down there. If you, I, I'd love to show you tree costs. It's a magical place. It was a great a, like a great spot to land after we had fallen. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll, we're, we'll forever be like grateful because after. I had my next project, but I didn't have a lot to like land on because the, the back sent me into like debt and like I'd spent everything I'd saved basically. So did insurance cover the surgery? Oh, I'm gonna be the the reckless guy and let you know I didn't have health insurance. So, <laughs> so I paid out of pocket, but thank God, Colombia is a magical, magical place, and uh, 
I was told by the orthopedic surgeon at Johns Hopkins, I would have spent between 180 and 250 grand for that in the States. And I spent 11 grand out of pocket for everything they did for me in Columbia. So I was incredibly lucky. Wow. Yeah. So thank you, Columbia. <laughs> Columbia is a magical place. This painting is from Columbia. Oh, I love it, man. Oh, it's love a, it's an amazing place. It's full of like super passionate, amazing artistic people. It's pretty amazing. Where did the, um, your collaboration with the surf channel come in? That came from, uh, we used to do a ton of video work and, uh, we used to live in Southeast Asia, so I was living, I took a job in Southeast Asia right out of college. We started and, doing vlogs before vlogging was yeah, a thing. Yeah, before <laughs> vlogging was everyone had a vlog, we uh, we had a, a website called 52 Weeks, and uh, it was dedicated to us taking adventure, one adventure every week for a year, because I worked a super demanding job, but I was like, I'm not going to let it own us, so we're going to do an adventure every week, and we'd vlog it, and it took off, and we got picked up by a hotel chain. And they sent us all around Asia to go to their different properties and vlog for them. And uh, so we had a lot of experience in like video stuff. And uh, I knew the owner and creator of the surf channel. Um, he also created the tennis channel. So I knew him. So I reached out and was like, here's what we're going to do. Uh, here's what we want, how we want to film it and create a story and share it with the world. Would you be interested in having it on your guys' network? And that was basically the whole conversation. He was like, yeah, let's definitely do that. Yeah, and I had I had worked for TV News, so I had been doing video yeah. after 52 weeks for a while. So I was able to get in on that and and film the whole the whole thing down and yeah. edit the nine episode series. Oh, you edited it all yourself and filmed it yourself. That was all her, all filmed and edited by Kelsey. They they sent us some equipment and everything, but uh, it was all Kelsey. Kelsey, what's your favorite camera to work with to film with? We, I've used Canon a lot. Uh, we had a Canon Rebel and we did 52 weeks. But like what she did there was so different than TV news because TV news, she had like, you know, this giant camera on her shoulder. And whereas with like, with uh, Jibe, it, you know, you needed like really small portable stuff that you didn't mind getting wet and like things like yeah, that. And that was like a really harsh environment. So you couldn't, you, yeah, you had to just bring what could get wet and what could get salty. And <laughs> so a lot of, a lot of go, a lot of GoPros, a lot of, Canon GoPro, you are a staunch user of the GoPro. You you get a lot of usage out of your GoPro. <laughs> I know. I finally lost one of them, man. Uh, but I just I got another one. It's uh, they're fun. They're fun. I use them almost more for photos now than I do for video because I do less video stuff these days. Uh, the but, the new ones are insane with the over under housing. Have you seen that? Yeah, I've seen that. I uh, I don't have that, but I've seen it and it's nuts. Moving forward, like what's in your mind? Like what are you trying to do? Like what are you trying to like? get to are you trying to move back to nicaragua are you trying to go to another country or do you have any any clue you know nicaragua will always like it will, it'll always be one of our homes and like we have we have family there like we our employee victor became family and like after the boat went down we were amazed really lucky to we we built a gofundme for for victor because he lost his job and a lot of people like lost their homes and victor was incredibly poor when we met him so we did a gofundme and we built him a home and he he's always going to be family and we'll always visit him. We're not looking to head back to Nicaragua right now. Um, we have other projects in the future that uh, I can't delve into right now, but other projects in the future that are already materializing a bit. But um, I think for us, it, it's we want to get back to creating our own thing. We, we loved having the pirate ship and that brand and that ability to share an experience with people from all over the world. 
And that's what we're working towards again. Um, not in Nicaragua, but we want to build something that we can we share with people from all over the world and do it our way and change things when we know it and they need to be changed and create and innovate the way we know it needs to. What is something that you wish, like if you could have went back in time and told yourself, and it can't be, um, don't go on that 20 second flight, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hour and a half flight, Ian, hour and a half. It yeah. was your 22nd flight though. Oh, 20 seconds. Right? I thought you said 20 seconds. Okay. Yeah. Right. Okay. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, give me some credit, man. It wasn't 20 seconds. No, 90 minutes. That's insanity. It's, yeah. Um, but what it what is something if you if you could have went back in time and whispered in your ear these three things or whatever before you jumped and created the pirate ship that whole business everything what would it have been? Oh man. Oh, I think we did it right. Yeah, like yeah. I, I, you know, we made mistakes along the way, but I think those mistakes led us to, you know, where we where we are now. And yeah, no, I. I I'm such a, especially since the back, because you just can't look back. You can't look back and be like, I was obsessed for a while. Like I used to be able to do this and now I can't, I used to be able to do this and you can't look like that. And I'm, I think the same way with, with business and stuff you learn. I learned that we almost took on a second small boat that we were going to do a sailing school and it wasn't going to work and it didn't fit with what we were doing. So we learned from that and walked away from that. So there's definitely huge learning experiences, but there's nothing I would really go back and say, don't do that. Cause I don't know. We learned from it. And I don't know. I think surrounding yourself with good people is always something to whisper to yourself, you know, like check, like who's around you, who's, who's your cheerleader, who's rooting you on and yeah. who's going to be there when you fall. And I think that's, something there, there's times I would have pushed myself, myself in a direction earlier in Nicaragua. Like, yeah, we met some people later, like two years into our three years there that I wish we'd have, joined forces with earlier because they were one so fantastic to be around but two people like that also create business and i wish we'd have joined forces with them earlier on and worked with them earlier on so i would have pushed myself certain directions but not a not an outright like don't do that do this instead well this is kind of like a last question i always ask everybody what would you say to someone that is currently maybe working say a nine to five or something that you know they like they they enjoy but maybe there's some sort of other passion that they've been, you know, really trying to indulge in and trying to jump in, but they're, you know, they're scared. Um, there's a lot of factors. Like, what would you say to someone that's kind of itching to, to start their own gig or start their own business? Uh, for me, it'd be like two parts. One, start planning because it'll take a long time. Like it's not going to happen fast. So I'm always planning my next thing. Half the time when I have something already, like I'm still throwing together notes and some of it's crazy and some of it just some of it just dies off. It's like I like to write some of my stories just die off on their own because they don't make the cut. But start planning, start like putting together business plans, concept decks, pitch decks, thinking of networks of people that would work well for it. And then, uh, yeah, I, I'd start planning right now and working towards that goal. If you just think about it, it'll never it'll never get there. Um, and the fear, I'd say in part two, is don't be too scared. Even if it falls apart, like you'll find you'll have so many experiences and you'll still be okay. I mean, knock on wood, I don't want to send someone down a dirty, scary road, but you, you're, you're going to be okay. Like even if we'd have gone to Nicaragua and it had failed, we'd have pushed on somewhere else and or had amazing experiences along the way. I've, I've never had even failed projects. They like, I had got amazing things out of them. I, I, I don't believe like it's going to be this horrible end of your life type 
failure. It's going to be a learning experience. I, I don't believe in being scared of failure. Yeah, I also think you never feel like you're ready. You know, like no, no matter how much preparation you do, you're still going to probably think, oh, I'm not ready. It's not the right time. It's, it's probably never going to feel like the right time. So I think also like jumping into it and, and making it happen. And yeah, if you, if you stumble along the way, it's okay. You know, like, yeah, maybe your bank account says $4, but you're going to be all right. You know, just keep, keep going. And, and those challenges make it, make it worthwhile and make it better. And, and you grow from that and you become a better person in the end as well. Yeah. Yeah. And, and my final keep, uh, Keep it to keep your ideas with a close group of friends. Like uh, you're always gonna have naysayers. I don't I don't share my ideas with anybody but this girl and maybe one or two people on the planet. Because until it's a success, people will say it won't be a success. So you don't need to share it with everybody. Go to people you trust and go to mentors. But I uh, I, I build something and I won't listen to anybody until I've shown that it's gonna work. Right. Yeah finding that the pack of people that's going to just feed the dream instead of steal it. Yep. How, uh, how can people find you guys on social media? Oh man. Um, you can find us at, uh, our, just our personal stuff now. So it's my Instagram's wander with Joey. Mine's Kelsey.Coleman. You guys, um, thank you so much for just sharing with me. I, I appreciate you so much. You guys are such badass. Uh, well, we, we love your positivity, man. We really do. It's amazing. Your inspirations to everybody that's just trying to get out there and make moves. I mean, you sailed across the ocean, you built a boat, you ran a business, you lived the life. You survived a <laughs> terrible spinal injury. And you guys still have this big old smile on your face. And that's <laughs> incredible. So, wow. again, thank you guys so much. And uh, next time you're in L.A., come on. Stop by Santa Monica, baby. Let's Absolutely, do it. man. We love you, buddy. So Thanks much. for everything. All right. We'll talk later. Peace. Thank you for listening to another episode of Len Jones Party of Two. If you enjoyed it, please leave us a review and subscribe to stay up to date on our new episodes. And remember, hope is not a strategy. Keep making moves. Till next time, peace.